Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Mo, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, how many episodes of No Budget Nightmares <laughs> do you think we've done? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, what are we on? Like one ten now? <laughs> Very close. Uh, we're this is episode mo one hundred and eleven, and because that's a very special number, this is a very special episode of No Budget Nightmares. And the reason, by the way, listeners, that Mo and I were just laughing when we were talking about that <laughs> is that this is the second time we've done the intro for this episode uh, because uh, Mo had unfortunately uh, chosen the wrong microphone. <laughs> I used the wrong microphone, but that's we noticed it before we got too far into things, and that's thank goodness. that is a relief for everyone involved, <laughs> Mo. This is a very special episode because we're talking about Canadian content, our favorite content on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Oh, Canada. Yeah, this is it. This is this is the Canadian special. Uh, and, and we have covered a shockingly large number of Canadian movies. An ungodly amount of Canadian content. Yes. When it comes to junkie shot on video garbage, <laughs> Canada's really ahead of the curve. They really are. But this time, we're not talking about junkie... Uh, uh, Canadian garbage. We're talking about inspired Canadian garbage. True. And the movie we're going to talk about is called Phobe. Mo, it's called Phobe, the xenophobic experiments from the year 1995. Now, I think this was made actually made in the year maybe even uh, starting in 93, but at least in the year 94. But it was finished. It was put out into the world in one form or another in 1995. And that's exciting, Mo. 1995, the year of our Lord, the year punk broke. (laughs) (laughs) Without fail. Without fail. (laughs) Since I'm hitting all the things I'm supposed to to say on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, kiss suck. But Mo, we are talking about. Uh, I can't. I can't even fucking argue with you on that one anymore. <laughs> God damn it! Phobe the xenophobic experiments that is currently available. If you are a listener to the show, uh, it's on Amazon Prime in the United States. If you have that, it's also available still on DVD uh, via Severin Films through their Intervision label. And if you do get that, you get tons of special features, including a documentary uh, directed by friend of the show Josh Johnson. And it also shows, and this is kind of important for what we're about to talk about, the original special effects from the movie because the version that we're talking about today the version that's on the dvd and the one that's on amazon is a remastered version from 2012 which has uh improved the color grading and some of the special effects and uh and honestly mo i have pretty mixed feelings about that 
They're a little too polished. They're a little too polished. They stand yeah. out. They stand out a little too much. And honestly, this might sound. Don't take this the wrong way, <clears throat> listeners. But the threadbare aspect of it is part of what I really enjoy, and that comes down to the fact that this movie is. This movie gets down to the core of what No Budget Nightmares is all about, which is that it is a massive accomplishment on a ridiculously low budget, Mo. And we have already recorded this intro, so <laughs> I, I'm not going to ask you what that budget was. Why don't you tell me what the budget was, Mo? Uh, if memory serves, uh, I believe you said it was 250 dollars canadian dollars <laughs> that's like that's like 20 bucks <laughs> yeah that's, it's 250 loonies a big pile of them uh and which was again the same budget that we had for rock paper scissors follow the original six but i don't see anyone making a special edition to that movie <laughs> neither do i <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should update the special effects now that i think about it uh but no phobe the xenophobic experiments was made for 250 dollars uh now at the time, uh, some of the budget stated was a little higher because they included the value of what was donated to the production. And that's really important because this movie got a lot of mileage out of just asking people if they could provide things in this area, in the Niagara region of Ontario. And people just gave them things. They gave them, you know, uh, uh, stuff to to outfit the villain, the the creature in the movie, they gave them a steel mill to use. They gave them a crane to use in this movie. So it ends up looking a lot more expensive than two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Well, when you said dumb, when when you said dumb, <laughs> dumb, <laughs> when you said how offended, I'm getting ahead of myself in my talking. When you said the budget was two hundred fifty dollars, <laughs> I was a bit dumbfounded with where I was going with that because I remember there being some really decent crane shots in there, and I'm like, that couldn't have been cheap and i guess it was free <laughs> so <laughs> well i mean and and if you are you know are curious about that sort of thing in the closing credits they actually list some of the things that was were donated to the production i think that's really nice the other thing is this movie was uh shown throughout the late 90s and early 2000s on a local sort of cable access style station in, in Canada. We all, all of our, uh, not all of our cities, but there's a lot of these centralized uh, cable stations, which just have local programming on it. Well, Phobe was shown whenever they had these large gaps in their programming. If they had two hours or an hour and a half that they needed to fill, they had the right to show this movie. So it was shown again and again in like the St. Catharines area in Ontario and uh, the Niagara region in general. So people, just saw it. So a lot of people kind of grew up very familiar with this movie. And uh, it should be noted, by the way, that this was kind of brought back to attention because uh, friends of the show, Peter Kaplowski and uh, Justin DeClue and their Laser Blast Film Society out in Toronto, they showed this movie at one of their screenings and it kind of redeveloped interest in it, got people talking about it again. And that, uh, and then it led to a DVD special edition release. Mo, what an exciting series of events that led people to be able to see Phobe, the xenophobic experiments from the year 1995. Mm. I got to tell you, though, I, I when I was younger, I watched a lot of public access um, because there was some really batshit crazy stuff in, on the local one in my area. Mm -hmm. And if this movie had been playing near constantly <laughs> i i would have sat and watched it every single time <laughs> i will say that having had experience with these sort of stations here in canada they are much less interesting than you might think <laughs> yeah it's mostly like local you know political talk <clears throat> shows and shit like that 
But this movie's not that. This movie was directed and written by Erica Benedicti. Now, this is interesting as well, Mo. We had talked about this in our previous attempt to record this opening. But this is a rarity for No Budget Nightmares that we right. have a film directed and written by a woman. We actually don't feature many uh, female-led <clears throat> movies on, on this uh, program. And I, I think that is a fault of ours it's yeah it's that we... th- yeah that yeah that one's that one's on us we we really should do some more research onto it and is uh and, and if any of the listeners out there you know happen to know of like well we'll try to focus on like 90s 2000s you know um you know female directed films let us know because we're con we're always interested in expanding the sort of stuff and uh diversifying our portfolio so to speak yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i mean and the fact is the most well-known shot on video movies of the 80s they are to my knowledge a lot of them are, are, are male-led and especially because they're <clears throat> that is just the industry of the time unfortunately right. um but they're is absolutely certainly some exceptions out there that we should know about. So please let us know on the Facebook group or, or through our email. And we will try to feature more females in the future. Females. I sound like fucking <laughs> alien myself. Females. <laughs> um, but this movie, Phobe, the Xenophobic Woman? Experiments, directed, written by Erica Benedicti. This was a, uh, uh, you know, she, this is the thing that we celebrate the most, which is that she pulled together family and friends and contacts and she built on the small amount of money she had by by asking favors deciding that she's going to make you know like a star wars influenced sci-fi epic on no budget at all and the result is what we're about to talk about right now mo mo how does phobe the xenophobic experiment start oh excuse me please Uh, well, it opens with a title sequence in space. In space. space. Now, I do, I do think that some of this title sequence might be, have been part of the remastered. Oh, I'm guessing most <laughs> of it was. Yes, uh, so we do c- CG planets and whatnot. <laughs> right, right, and we get a we get a nice uh, thumping intro theme music, and uh, we get uh, the a nice title screen. You know, it's a phobe. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of did dig, uh, I didn't put this in my notes, but it's popping into my memory how it says, uh, the xenophobic experiment. And then there's like, almost like alien writing underneath it, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of got a kick out of it. Uh, but it really, it sets the tone for the movie for the most part. Uh, and then after that, we, uh, we jump cut to, uh, some guys with guns in the woods. All of them Whoa. seem to have mullets. There's three people, Mo, in the woods. Right. One of them seems, uh, you know, like a, a generic looking, young, uh, reasonably handsome guy. There's a woman there as well. And mm-hmm. then there is a distinctive looking gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Very distinctive looking. This will be our lead. This is our hero character, Mo. Who is this and what does he look like? All right. Well, his name is Zap Rousedow. I mean, uh, <laughs> his name is Dap. Sergeant uh, Gregory Dap. S- Sergeant no. Gregory Dap. He is. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. He, he, he's got a little bit more to love. He's he's slightly yeah. heavyset, which is perfectly yeah. reasonable. It's fine. I actually like that. I like the idea. Of I love that hero. he's an action hero who's you know essentially a fat guy, and it's it's mm. fucking cool. Uh, as a fat guy, I appreciate that. More but- <laughs> fat guy heroes. That's what we're demanding. <laughs> Hashtag more fat guy heroes. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he has got the single most epic mullet that I have ever seen. It's, it's- I mean, it, like, he, he looks like one of the nasty boys. 
Now, he looks specifically like Jerry Sags, not he Brian Knobs. No. He, yeah, he looks like Jerry Sa- uh, uh, Jerry Sags, one half of the uh, wrestling pro wrestling tag team, the Nasty Boys. And folks, we're not kidding. He looks a lot like him. <laughs> a lot like him. Especially <laughs> especially when he puts on his Brett the Hitman heart sunglasses. Yeah, this is a... Uh, and, and we... We do not want to to spend too much time talking about Dap's hair on this episode, because but we will. Everybody has terrible hair in this movie. In this movie, like it is unbelievable. Like when people talk about hockey hair, this is the movie that they were probably thinking of. Everyone, to a person, either has terrible hair or somehow within the same sequence, it'll cut from one angle to another, and suddenly they've gone from having normal hair to crazy terrible. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> but they are in the woods, Mo. These three characters. They're Canadian searching. content. <laughs> <laughs> they are in the woods, which is, of course, the place that you want to go if you are making a low-budget movie. Absolutely. It is, as we've stated before, like international waters. Anything goes in the woods. <laughs> which And they're, they're wearing sort of fatigues. And I do have to note that they're all wearing a, like a... Um, a patch that is just looks like a big target, which is probably not the thing that you want to have on your uniform when you're out no. searching for something. But who are they looking for, Mo? They are looking for um, essentially the predator. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, we, we, we do get uh, he's like, OK, so imagine the predator and the Terminator had a baby. Mm hmm. That's essentially what he is. He's a robot. Well, describe, sort of- describe the mechanics of how <laughs> that happened. <laughs> let's just let's just put it this way: the blowjob was not very fun. Um, <laughs> Cybernetic organism with dick. <laughs> I'll place it in you, predator. Wow! Wow! <laughs> we are as one now. <laughs> I know Ooh. now why you cry. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but we do get a, we do get uh, several POV shots <laughs> trying to get back on track here what? Uh, throughout the course of the film um, from the uh, the phobes uh, perspective, and it's a lot of gauges and yeah, and it's weird, predator weird vision light. For sure. It's predator vision. It's fucking ridiculous, but in, yeah. in a gr- in a great way. So uh, these three <laughs> soldiers, Mo, are hunting the phobe. And uh, the phobe is like shooting lasers at them. And the lasers, I think, are part of the remastered special effects. But the shower of sparks that occurs when it hits a tree, that seems to be part of the original film, which I have to say, I love sparks. This movie gives me lots of sparks. I, I actually really dig the uh, the effects that they use for because they do a lot of like little, you know, fire up effects where it's clearly just like like a soda cap filled with uh um, like black powder, you sure. know, because all you get is that, whoosh, you know, and it's fucking fantastic. I like the practical effects in this. I really, I really dig with the exception of maybe the mask that they have the phobe wear. Okay, let's talk is, about that in just But a we'll talk about that later. So the <clears throat> first, the normal looking guy, I'm just going to say that he gets <laughs> shot and killed by the phobe. The phobe also throws some sort of explosive device. The woman, um, who has quite a uh, uh, quite a head of hair on her herself, she goes over by this ex- this explosive device. It explodes in a shower of sparks, killing her. However, and this is something that Mo and I were just talking about a few minutes ago. Right before it explodes, I swear that she has been swapped out with a gentleman who has 
a luscious head of hair and a mustache in that sequence. I am pretty darn certain, Mo. Well, you showed me the screen grab. I'm with you on it. I, I absolutely think that's what happened. And there's another character we'll be introduced to a little bit later who I think was taking the shot there, where he was the one who was actually getting exploded because he was in charge of those special effects. That's just my opinion. But I will say that someone who's not happy about this woman being exploded is Dap. Dap runs over to her, Mo. And what does he do? Well, why don't you play the clip? (laughs) He does this. He, he screams no, uh, indicating that he had a strong relationship with his woman that sort of gets fleshed out a little bit later. It, does it? Because I, di- I didn't realize they had any kind of relationship until the closing credits. So. Oh, really? Because he <laughs> yeah. does. there is a tender moment. Anyway, we'll get to it. Oh, you're right. Later. You're right. You're right. There is. And, and it should be noted, by the way, that the female lead of this movie, who we'll be introduced to a little bit later, also played the uh, the woman who gets exploded in this opening scene. <laughs> So then his response to the phobe killing his girlfriend is that he takes out a bazooka that he's been carrying on his back. Yeah, we did sh- forget to mention the fact that he was carrying a bazooka. Now, now, normally when we say something to the effect of he's carrying a bazooka, like you'd think, oh, it's strapped onto his back. Right. No, 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 no. He's wearing a t- he's wearing the type of jacket that has like those air vents in the back of it. <laughs> and he just has it slung into the air vents. And it is amazing. He takes it out, he aims, it, it suddenly gets very dark for some reason, and he, sh- he shoots the uh, bazooka, uh, or big old firecracker, off screen, and then we cut to black, Mo. Did you notice in that shot that he sets his hair on fire for a second? I didn't, but that is amazing. <laughs> Like, like if, like at the tail end of it going off, like you can see a little piece of his hair just sizzling <laughs> and it's fucking <laughs> wild. <laughs> like I said, Mo, international waters. Oh yeah. The, the title on the screen says four months later, and we are introduced to some sort of, I guess, police station, I guess you would call it. It's clearly an office building. <laughs> you know, it is a futuristic police. It isn't a futuristic, actually. This movie, even though it's not clearly defined at this point, it takes place at this point in some other planet. Right. It's some other star system, Mo. Though it is. It takes very... place a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, apparently not. Apparently it takes place now just somewhere else. Uh, right. So this is a futuristic police station. Dap comes in. He has some sort of felon with him. And I want you, listeners to listen to what is being said here and in your own mind try to comprehend what like the, the actual words that are being said because I'll have to say well I'll explain in just a second let's listen to it first yo Snack I got another one for you that's if we can squeeze between those donuts of yours yeah right Drip I mean Dab hey listen you still with that fox you picked up last week nah she split man she's my <laughs> so so, Mo, I know just then that was probably comprehensible to you because I actually have on the screen in front of you what they actually said. I had to load up the fucking <laughs> Amazon Prime version and turn on the subtitles so I could understand what was being said wow. in that sequence. I didn't. I just couldn't figure it out. So he says, I got another one for you if you can squeeze him between those donuts of yours. And he goes, yeah, right, drip. I mean, dap. And then he asks him about that girlfriend. The problem with this movie sometimes is that the music overpowers a lot of the dialogue. And this is one of the sequences that I was like, I understand what the relationship is supposed to be here. It's playful. It's a cop bringing in a perp and the guy working at the desk. They're having a little back and forth. 
but uh, it uh, it didn't really work for me. Not the wittiest of repartees. Well, it's pretty good, but it does give you an indication <laughs> of what Dap's acting style is. Mo, how would you describe Dap's acting? Not great. <laughs> he gets a monologue a little bit later, oh and my it is God. a glorious, beautiful moment of cinema. It is now un- you have that. Now you have the clip of that whole monologue, don't I you? I mean, I have included most of it in the sound clip we're going to listen That's to later. Awesome. <laughs> it's, it is un. It is comparable to Don's monologue from the movie Things from 1989. Yeah. Where he talks about the kid who was fatter than a fridge. It is great. <clears throat> but, I mean, but it's pretty clear that Dap is reading these off of cue cards, <laughs> you know, because he keeps looking back and forth and then looking down. And then, you know, <laughs> With and his I, yellowy eyes. And, I like, I feel like, I feel like <laughs> when he looks down is when, is like, He's getting to the end of the page and like he remembers what the last fu- last few words are. And then he looks up to look at the next page and then over and then down again. But I mean, I can't fault him. Like it's I mean, it's a terrible performance, but man, like it, it just sucks you in. <laughs> it, it sucks you in. It's a good way of putting it. So then it cuts to Dap. He's resting at his very oddly decorated home. <laughs> yeah, it's just like couches covered in sheets. And st- <laughs> hey. In, on, on that's how people decorate in the far off planet of wherever he is. Um, Mondora, Mondora. That's right. The phone rings <laughs> or a phone sound occurs, and because this is very science fiction, he doesn't answer a phone. He opens up his computer, his laptop. Wow, I know. And on it is someone he obviously recognizes, his boss of some form, the commander. And the commander goes, "We've got another problem down here, and it's really serious." A phobe has escaped in, and Dap just closes his screen and hangs <laughs> up on him. You can't, you can't control Dap. That's what I'm trying to say. He's the only one who can do the job. So basically, this commander wants him to do a job, Mo. And what is this job? Oh, you always catch me right as I'm yawning. Um, <laughs> Maybe don't want- yawn. That would be I, a good way to avoid that. Yeah, if only. <laughs> so what he wants him to do is to capture said phobe uh he wants to send him off like i guess it's sort of a top priority um i don't think he explained does he explain it in the phone call it doesn't really it's kind of strange because he's going to tell him basically that a phobe has stolen a ship and flown into an asteroid field and then he when we in a second he actually sees the commander in person the commander explains the exact same thing again in almost the exact same words but uh but he's hesitant because he's lost his friends to these foes before, but eventually Dap agrees and he says this. Thanks, Greg. I owe you one. Yeah, I've heard that before. You owe me a lot. One day I might even be around to collect. Oh, dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then in my notes I say he sits back and drinks Windex. <laughs> he does appear to drink some sort of terrible fluid. <laughs> it's like bright blue. So then Gregory, <laughs> Gregory Dapp, Sergeant Gregory Dapp, heads towards the central command, a command on Mondora. Um, there is a CG shot of it outside that looks a lot like one of those outside matte uh, paintings from Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I think mm. it was added in, in the recent remastering. I'm guessing. Uh, there's a bunch of people sitting in front of uh, computer mo- monitors. It probably was shot at the the um, public domain, uh, sorry, the uh, public access <laughs> station that this was uh, broadcast on. Dap, let's just, I want to just mention, Dap comes into this room. He's wearing a white shirt and a leather jacket. He looks even more like a professional wrestler here than he does in other sequences. 
But my favorite thing is they're explaining to him how this phobe has gotten into this asteroid and yeah. they sent a whole squadron in and, this, and they couldn't get him out. And, then, and I'm thinking to myself, so they sent in an entire squadron who couldn't do this, but this one mulleted chubby man is going to go in and get the job done. Uh, we find out later that he was part of a special squad that was sent out to to hunt these guys down and they murdered every single person in the squad. Except him. Except Dap. But he's he's clearly the most capable. Yes. And by the way, the commander, the guy who plays the commander, is absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, if, I'm not going to say he's the worst actor in the movie, but he's top three worst actors in the movie. Yeah, he's pretty rough. So they have a little conversation. It sounds a little bit like this. Something in your story just doesn't click. You mean tell me one ship can all fly your whole squadron and not get hit? Yeah, sure, right. This phobe that escaped has somehow managed to reactivate its reproductive system and therefore must be brought back alive to be examined by our scientists. They'd like to know how it's managed to do this. This way we can stop the remaining foes from doing the same thing until they're all safely terminated. So what you're saying is you want this thing brought back alive? Are you nuts? You know what they can do. You've seen it yourself. I don't know why you just didn't blow up that planet long ago. Then none of this would have ever happened. <laughs> so you get a sense of how much fucking up these guys are doing as they're doing their dialogue and it's just yeah. left in the movie. Yeah. There's a part there where Dab says, you mean you want these, these uh, this thing brought back alive, but uh, it sounds like it, he says brought back to life. It really sounds weird the way he said it, but it doesn't matter. We know what he meant, Mo. <laughs> yeah. He's going to track down the phobe. He's agreed to do it. Um and, and by the way, the big thing to note there was the fact that apparently this phobe is able to reproduce. Which they haven't been able to do. They haven't been able to do. And this yeah. one does in a very bizarre way, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, this uh, scene ends, by the way, with a slow zoom on a <clears throat> uh, on a monitor, which has what appears to be a screensaver from 1994. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so here we have uh, the first of many... Uh, big Star Wars ripoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing this is one of the scenes added later, but basically he hops into a snow speeder and uh, takes off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's gearing up in his spaceship. And it's by a very, way, fa- it's a very familiar spaceship. Very familiar spaceship. Now, what is Dap Mo? What is Dap wearing as he is piloting a spaceship <laughs> through the cosmos? Oh, I love this outfit so much. Oh God. Okay, so we'll start from the uh, the, the the least important to the most important. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's got sunglasses on. Okay. Yep. He's wearing a motorcycle helmet. With the uh-huh. with the visor up, uh-huh. and the best part, sleeveless shirt, a sleeveless shirt. <laughs> now we'll talk about the sunglasses in a little bit, but this—I don't know if it's the safest. Maybe you know, on his planet, they probably have perfected the safety of the whole process. <laughs> so he's talking to a guy as he's about to take off. Uh, they set up the hyperspace interval. <laughs> And that sounds like this. Okay, I guess I'm out of here then. Good luck, Sergeant. Command out. Setting up hyperspace interval. And guess I'll see you in hell. <laughs> and then the, 
fucking ship launches into what is apparently a Doctor Who style t- time tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Why a does great... he say I'll see you in hell? Why does he say that? I have no idea, but there is a great moment. Now, he clearly had his script in his lap for this scene. Sure. He clearly sure. did. Because there is a moment where he's requesting coordinates and there's like a string of numbers that he's supposed to be asking them for. And like he very much looks down to read half the number. <laughs> I'm just like, why just make something up? Like it doesn't how accurate does that does that have to be? Details are important, Mo. You should know that more than anybody. Really? Should I? Yeah. Have so you remember, seen my have you seen my work? <laughs> so remember the commander who sent Dap on this uh, terrifying mission? Sadly I do. He reports to this guy behind a desk wearing a suit. So you know he's a bad guy. So he's sitting behind the desk and he uh, and the commander have a little conversation about how he got Dap to accept and that he's the right man for the job and all that sort of thing. And the guy, the bad guy, I mean I'm just gonna say it, he's obviously a bad guy. He says, um, if the phobe is harmed, uh, the commander's employment will be terminated, as will he. Ooh. Who is this guy, Mo? Who's the bad guy here? I don't know. Does, I don't, is, does, does he ever, is he ever named? I don't think so. Uh, yeah. We just know that he is sort of the guy pulling the strings behind the whole thing. He's uh, And he, he's, like, he, like para- he like paraphrases uh, fucking Boba Fett, too. He says something along the lines of, he's no good to me, dead. <laughs> you know? And like then... It. So Sorry? much Star Wars. So much Star Wars. Hey, you know what? People like Star Wars. Or they did back before the <laughs> came out when this movie was made. Um, right. So then the commander <laughs> looks longingly out the window and says, I have faith in you, Dap. Don't let me down. <laughs> uh, spoiler, he is going to let him down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we see a house and i did not notice by the way i didn't like in all the preamble about where they're going to find this creature did they explicitly mention that it's going to be on earth no so i was very surprised i don't think i don't think the creature was was intended to go to earth because um when when we meet up with those two guys uh later the one who looks a lot like zap rousdauer well this is uh, happening right now in fact yeah this scene right here they they talk about how he shot a meteor out of the sky right so i'm guessing he hit the ship oh okay i thought that i thought he just saw the meteor fall i mean we see them looking out the window as it goes over the house so it doesn't really make a lot of sense for it to have been shot down no, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but that's, he, that is something he says. Oh. He says, "I, you know, oh, you remember before when you shot that meteor out of the sky? Like, huh? So these are two gentlemen <laughs> who witness a meteor coming to Earth. Now, this is where the movie's going to take place, on Earth. They are Tim and Jerry. Now, Tim, Tim is not... And, and Horton. <laughs> Tim... Is not that noticeable? Uh, sorry, notable outside of the fact that he is wearing a Coors slow pitch softball sweater, which is a very sure. Canadian thing. Yes. <laughs> Jerry, however, he looks a lot a like the person who got blown up in the very first scene of the movie. <laughs> he also looks like Canadian legend Burton Cummings, the lead singer of the Guess Who, uh, and also he looks mo like who? 
Zap Rousedower. Looks a lot like uh, old Zap Raps Rapsdower. Raps. Zap Rousedower uh, from uh, what the final sacrifice, who we also brought up on the most recent episode of No Budget Nightmares on Cards of Death. Seems like there's just a lot of people in the earlier decades who look like that guy. That's fine by me because I fucking love Zap. Jerry also <laughs> looks a little bit like Don from Things. Uh, he does. He's, he does have lo- long, kind of flowing, curly hair. He looks. For lack of a better word, ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Well, the two of them, Tim and Jerry, they're good friends. They go uh, traipsing off into the woods, Mo. There's a great moment here, too, where they're talking. And they said, uh, they said, oh, you're probably just scared because of that horror movie we just watched. Yeah. Hey, I'm glad they didn't mention a specific one. I <laughs> actually kind of wish they shit. I wish they had. I wish they had. <laughs> Now, I should mention, Jerry, uh, aside from his flowing locks, is also, when they go out into the woods, is wearing a uh, denim jacket, a.k.a. a Canadian tuxedo, as well as Cincinnati Bengals sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fashion statements being made in Phobe, the xenophobic experiment smell. Honestly, it would have been much better if he was wearing Zubaz. But... <laughs> with a fanny yeah. pack. <laughs> yeah, with a, with a fanny pack. So we get some predator vision uh, as they're walking through the woods. Both of them get a little spooked because they hear things out within the woods themselves. Um, there is a moment because, where... Because they just watched that horror movie. You know, the one with the chainsaw. You know, pieces. <laughs> so eventually, Jerry finds something on the ground, Mo. It looks a lot like that explosive device from the first scene. Uh, Tim comes out and grabs his shoulder, spooking him. Gives him a great big old spook. Spaghetti. Uh, and then <laughs> you spook him. Um, and then, and then Tim's like, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty scared. Let's go back to the place. Jerry agrees. And then what happens, Mo? So then he goes to pick back up the thing that he had previously dropped. Mm-hmm. And as he reaches down, ah, boom, <laughs> he gets blown up real good. Real good. <laughs> Jerry. Fantastic. Jerry's dead. Shower, a shower of sparks. It's fucking fantastic. Tim gets knocked down, but he is not killed. He sits back up and then stands up and starts running into the woods. While he does this, the screen uh, turns purple. Everything turns purple. It, it turns into sort of purple vision. There is some interesting lighting in this movie, by the way, Mo. I have to give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a great mo. There's there's a lot of great moments in this little tiny chase scene here too like okay so he's running off and the phobe starts shooting at him like shooting like rocket things at him it's really weird and keeps missing so i guarantee you that this phobe is part stormtrooper um (laughs) but but there's a moment where he jumps into the water yes this is tim tim jumps into the water and climbs out and then basically stands against a tree yes which is a which is a crucial mistake Crucial mistake. Rookie mistake here for old Tim. It's it's very easy to put a uh, explosive squib onto a tree uh, to fake a explosion. Um, so yeah, he gets uh, shot up real good. Yeah, he gets blown up. <laughs> he gets Tim's blown dead. up. It's fucking fantastic. 
so in fact, now, I kind I kind of wish that whole chase sequence had lasted longer. You know. Yeah. Well, I, these characters didn't have a lot to contribute to the movie outside of you know giving us a fifteen minute sequence to lengthen right. it. I will say that the Phobes uh, outright murder of these two people uh, it kind of goes against what happens at the very end of the movie. But we'll get back to that when we talk about it. Yeah. But now Mo is a very important part of this No Budget Nightmares episode. Describe to me <laughs> what the Phobe looks like. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, you know what he reminds me of a lot? I'm trying to think of what the fucking movie is. Um, I will say, Mo, when I make that comparison to the opening of Strange Brew, where they where they have that, that low-budget sci-fi movie that Bob and Doug McKenzie have directed, and right. say that this movie is just like that, the creature that uh, that Dave Thomas is dressed as in the beginning looks, like, shockingly close to what the phobe looks like in this he kind of reminds me a lot of uh of the monster i believe the movie it's robot monster is that the name of the movie where it, with the gorilla robot, yeah with the, yeah with, with the, the gorilla the, suit with like the TV costume. antenna head thing you know and that that's uh, but basically <laughs> so change the gorilla suit into a ghillie suit because that's basically what he's wearing and and like right <laughs> and ghillie. basically uh <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> this is like the goofiest episode we've done so far. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and uh, and he's basically wearing like a welder's mask, you know, or like some some like a black helmet sort of thing that has sort of like a Cylon thing going back and forth, like a little laser. Oh, I I never noticed that. Well, the reason it has that mo is because it is the helmet from a laser tag set. Oh, right. That's why it looks so goddamn familiar. And that is not the only laser tag uh, paraphernalia. No, I I recognized all the other laser tag shit, but I didn't, for some reason, I didn't notice the helmet. Yeah, so it's it's basically what appears to be a big pile of garbage bags, or or like what you said, that like a gill type suit. And it's just like a big pile of it on this person, and the helmet is just a laser tag helmet. And that's it. Now we do find yeah. out later. You see, I you see, I was always a photon guy. So oh, I, <laughs> we do we do find out later what the phobe looks like underneath the mask, and it is a massive reveal in the context of the movie that they have also put on the DVD cover for it, so it loses <laughs> all impact. <laughs> okay, so Tim's dead. We are now go right to. What we were all waiting for, a Canadian school mm. in the mid-90s. <laughs> it turns into Degrassi Junior High. Um, it is a... Drake rolls up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a school. A woman approaches a man. This woman is named Jennifer. This man is named Rob. I thought they would both be the main characters for the rest of, for the rest of this movie. That is not going to be the case. The woman has very big hair. And she is wearing a Toronto Blue Jays sweater, as we all were in the year 1993 because of their recent World Series win. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is very nerdy looking. He's at his locker. Both of them look to be at least six or seven years too old to be in high school. Yeah. He has some great dialogue, though, because she, she's she's trying to invite him to a party. Yes, she wants you know? to go, him to go to a party. Absolutely. And by the yeah. way, if you think they're going to end up together, no. That's no. Not, that's not where this is going at all. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain she's just being nice to him. She wants him to come to the party. Yeah. Um, he likes to play computer games. 
But he's like, he's like, no, I got some new computer games, and they're they're supposed to be really hard, so I'm gonna play those. And plus, my friend wanted to go camping, and and he can't now, so I'm gonna go hang out with him, <laughs> which is good because I don't want to go camping. I mean, he doesn't really sound like that, but you know, he should. <laughs> uh, he should. He should have a nerdlinger voice, absolutely. But you know, by the way, Jennifer mentions that she's late for cheerleading practice, Mo. Yes. Why does that seem unlikely? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, anyway, two two other cheerleaders. Two other cheerleaders. Sorry. Move move along. Move along. <laughs> so two other cheerleaders uh, approach them, uh, basically telling Jennifer that they're going to be late for practice. I do have a lengthy piece of dialogue here. Particularly, listen for the end of it. Where oh, one of the long. characters talks about how um, that Roy and Pete uh, could go, said they're going to go to the beer store for them. Which, by the way, a beer her in uh, Ontario, you can't get them in like supermarkets and stuff. You have to go to a store called the Beer Store, uh, beer store, I should say. <laughs> Sorry, I have my own Canadian accent <laughs> issues. Listen to her say that, and then listen to Jennifer's response for, where she says, "I could go for drinking some beer tonight. It is the most Canadian thing you'll ever hear." Let's listen. Jennifer, are you ready yet? We've got to get going. We're going to be late for practice. Mike and Chris said they were supposed to meet us after school, and they might walk us home and uh, maybe even carry our books. Oh, hi, Rob. Hi. Greg and Pete said they'd even go to the beer store for us and uh, get a couple cases, if that's okay with you, Jennifer. Yeah, sure, that'll be great. I could go for drinking some beer tonight. <laughs> I could go for drinking some beer tonight. I could go for drinking some beer tonight. Oh, shit, these people are so Canadian, Mo. They're so Canadian. Did you pay much attention to the song playing in the background um, while that scene was going on? It was rock music. I did notice it, that. Well, there was more than that. Like, the, the lyrics kept going on about, like, Hail Satan! <laughs> <laughs> the, so, again, it's not going to become an issue for the rest of this movie, but these are supposed to be high school-aged people. Um, meaning that that Jennifer, uh, by the way, she mentioned her dialogue with Rob that he is a senior. So I guess ostensibly we're supposed to think that she is a senior as well. So she's in the 17, 18 year range. Right. So and also remember that she will be the romantic female lead <laughs> of this movie as we go forward. <laughs> she, she is our Princess Leia. Anyway, in fact, in fact, try not to think about that. Actually, <laughs> so Jennifer later on is walking. I could home. go for some beers. <laughs> sorry, Jennifer on. is walking home by herself, uh, and as she walks, uh, she is being uh, watched by a phobe and its predator vision. At one point, mm-hmm. she drops her trapper keeper mo, <laughs> and when she goes to pick it up, she finds a weird rock. What's this rock all about, Mo? That's just a blue rock. She says. That's an odd-looking rock. I wonder if it has some value. I think I'll take it to the professor at school tomorrow. <laughs> but you can't hear any of it because all the dialogue can't. is drowned out by wind. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, if it's not the music drowning out dialogue, it's the wind. She basically But I love I love I love when she says, Oh, maybe I'll take it to the professor. It's like <laughs> what? Who are you really? talking to? <laughs> yeah. Uh she walks for a very long time along <laughs> a set of train tracks, and though this is a very boring sequence, I did have some weird nostalgia for it because I also grew up next to a very similar set of train tracks. So she's walking along the tracks, eventually she looks back and she sees something on the horizon, Mo. It's one of the phobes. Does she actually see it, though? I think she just sees kind of like a silhouette of something. 
Yeah, she sees something. And that something tries to take a shot at her, Mo. Uh, and right at the last second, she gets tackled by Dap. He is, like, it's amazing how he is always sort of in the right place at the right time. He must have some kind of amazing transportation technology, as we will find out in a little bit. But yeah, he's <laughs> right there to push her out of the way. Uh, and so she's a little, like, spooked by the whole thing, as, as would be very reasonable. And right. his inability to answer even the simplest questions that she tries to face, <laughs> like, it is unbelievable. Like, he says... Like, the thing is gone now. She doesn't have to worry about it anymore, even though it just tried to blow her up with a laser. And he, uh, she asked who he is, Mo. And this is his kind of hero entrance. It sounds like this. It's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm not here to harm you. I think the thing's gone. Who are you? What was that? My name's Dap. Gregory Dap. That thing's nothing significant. Actually, it's not even nothing, really. <laughs> it's not even nothing, really, Mo. It's nothing significant. It's not even nothing, really. <laughs> I guess he's trying to downplay the danger, but like, not only is that thing extremely hard to kill, it also apparently reproduces super quickly, like a fucking gremlin or something. So it actually is something pretty significant. Yeah. So she thanks him, and uh, he offers to take her home because that's, you know... I, yeah. well, well, here's the thing. She actually has pretty good instincts that she never follows through on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she says, well, I don't know you. I pro- you know, probably shouldn't take you home. Her mom, on the other hand, apparently has zero instincts. Yeah. Because, like, like this, this grown-ass man who looks like a fucking professional wrestler uh, com- comes into the house. Nobody questions anything about nope. him, especially the mom. Everybody's just offering him drinks and and uh, drinks. They always offer him drinks. That's really weird. Well, tea helps you um, relax, Mo. It's good. Tea is great. Yeah, I guess. You know. But I do want to say uh, th- this introductory uh, segment for Dap uh, in regards to him and Jennifer getting together. Dap yeah. is now, we can see, his sunglasses. He is wearing sort of gray camo shirt and sunglasses. Describe these sunglasses to me, Mo. All right. So... <laughs> Picture it, Sicily, nineteen twenty-two. No, um, <laughs> no, for real though. Nineteen nineties, Heart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Heart. Very much the sunglasses he's wearing. In fact, I wouldn't be it, it, like I wouldn't have been surprised at all if there had been like a little heart with wings on the side. <laughs> you know, he 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 used them because he got them at a show and. They, you know, in Saskatchewan. They look a little wrinkled. <laughs> oh, they are they are worse for wear. They're they're they have been through the ringer. I would go as far to say that they are a facsimile of a Brett the Hitman Heart style glasses that have like been cut out of the side of a two liter bottle of Pepsi. <laughs> 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 they look pretty rough is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they're yeah. So Jennifer and Dap walk away together. Having a little conversation, strolling along the tracks, and as they leave Mo, we get what they call in the biz production value. Mm-hmm. A crane shot, Mo. A the, the the camera it it was stationary on the ground, and then it starts to rise to the heavens, rise p- past the very branches on the trees above them. And the fucking crazy thing is, these like they have two crane shots in this scene. They're the best fucking shots in the movie. Hey, cranes are they're, cranes they're, are good. Everyone yeah, loves them. They're the, they're the best looking shots in the movie, bar none. You know, um, 
And then meanwhile, the love theme for Phobe plays. Hey, let's hear the love uh, theme, Mo. This is very important because it, it bridges I, the sequence right over to Jennifer's house and her very inviting mother. So let's listen to the song. Right. The police are on their way, dear. I've also called your father. Would you like anything to drink? Maybe a cup of tea or coffee? So that was just a little introduction to her mother as well. Uh, <laughs> Who is also top three in the worst. She uh, is amazing. Actor. Her next... I have She's a, the... I love her to death. I love her. So the mother asks again... Uh, if he wants to, if she wants a cup of tea to relax, Jennifer. And uh, the mother also mentions that she's called Jennifer's father and the police, and then she and a doctor and a doctor. So you know she's the trifecta, yeah. the the white person trifecta. And <laughs> then then she says this, and just listen to this delivery. Why don't you try lying down, Jennifer? I've called Doctor Millis to come and take a look at you. Maybe he can give you something to relax you. <laughs> That weird kind of sound when she says the doctor's name, it appears that they have replaced whatever doctor's name the woman said with something else. It is it is glorious, I would say. Dr. Milnes. <laughs> she, she also then says, Mr. Dapp, would you like something to drink? Mr. Strangely Dressed Psycho from the future. <laughs> You know, you know, it's funny. We we glazed over something real quick uh, that happened on their walk back to the mom's house right. or back to Jennifer's house. She kind of walks off the 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 path for a second That's right. and like hunches over something and just screams. She screams at nothing at all. Apparently, at nothing at all, and like there's no reveal, there's no nothing. So I mean, like. I think they're supposed to imply that that she finds the dead body of one of the other guys from before, because they kind of imply that one of the guys, um, like, but there's like a, Tim or or yeah, like Tim or Jerry. Um, oh, really? You're right, because she says I, in a second that 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 uh, in one of the scenes upcoming, I should say that 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 yeah, the phobe killed someone. Is that what she was supposed to have been? Mo, you're really but good at picking no... up on these implied uh, elements. I... <laughs> I, it's a talent. What can I say? I don't. I don't have. I don't have much to bring to the show. If I can bring that, I'm happy. I just figured it was something that just didn't make sense, which is not beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, Dap- no, I mean it definitely doesn't make sense. So Jennifer is very shaken up, Mo, at her house, and to comfort her, Dap gives her like a lanyard with a little. A switch on it, and he says, "If you I need- call this, I call it the life alert broom necklace." <laughs> yes. So she's never fallen, and she can't get up. Uh, no, if she needs him for anything. Just press the button, is what she says. And then we see a police officer <laughs> in ill-fitting police officer clothes knock on the door, uh, and the mother opens it, and he's Officer Crawford, and she, the mother goes, "Yes, it's my daughter. She's been attacked." <laughs> <laughs> and that's that a little bit later we see a point of view shot in a bedroom at night i have to say it mo this bedroom looks like it belongs to like a 10 year old it has like a bunch of toys right. and, and and uh and like stuffed animals all over it but we see that jessica is asleep in the room she jennifer hears... <laughs> oh did i say jessica <laughs> yes <laughs> all these generic per- people <laughs> Jennifer's uh, in this, her room. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, she uh, she's she's asleep on this bed that's clearly not hers. She he, and uh yeah, she's woken up by by glass breaking, so you know Stone Cold's there and he's going to give her a stunner. <laughs> she's also wearing she's <laughs> now uh switched into her Toronto Blue Jays evening wear. <laughs> she got her fucking thing on with it. Um So she looks out the window. I don't know what she's looking at, but she says, "This can't be real." And she pushes her button the button on the thing that Dap gave her, and Dap is there in the room immediately. Yeah, he walks up behind her the second she presses the button. We're like, what? <laughs> he then reveals to it. her that the thing that is chasing her is called a phobe, Mo. And if uh, you, the listener, want to know a little bit more about why it's called a phobe, uh, let's see what his description to uh, Jennifer is. Phobe? What's a phobe? Is that what you cops call psychos? Well, it's not a, exactly a psycho as you would call it. Well, what is it then? It's an alien life form. An alien life form? Are you feeling okay? Maybe you should have seen the doctor. Yeah, maybe you should have seen the doctor, Mo. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> so, um, she then reveals to him that she found something a little bit earlier, Mo, and she shows it to him, and what is it? So it's the rock, and, uh, and and a little backstory. We're we're talking. Well, I'm, I, I've you know sometimes when a movie is particularly humorous, I'll I'll text uh, Doug while I'm watching, <laughs> and and he says to me, he says to me, uh, you know, just just be sure to to take note of all the Canadian accents. And just at that moment, she goes, "Is this what you're talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and she. Shows him the egg. Now, by the way, this, this rock that she has discovered looks just like a, yeah. you know something made out of paper mache. But it's revealed in this sequence that it is a egg, a Phobes egg, Mo. Yep. And we learn that the egg has to be destroyed by the defertilization module. Otherwise, it speeds up the incubation process, and then there will be more Phobes than they know what to do, do with. And in fact, the incubation process takes place apparently 72 hours after it's been laid. Which seems super dangerous, by the way. Yeah. Now, this is the point, Mo, that we should talk about the fact that all the description that we have about phobes so far um, makes us question a little bit about the morality of why they exist and why they're being destroyed. Right. And I think that's something we're supposed to be thinking about as we're watching this movie. The phobe, for all intents and purposes, is just running for its life. It's not really trying to do something wrong, outside of the fact that it seems to murder people for no good reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do anything bad. I'm just going to do bad shit. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. Jennifer asks asks Dap all sorts of questions, which he says, I'll explain later. Right, and so she worries about her parents for a second. Uh-huh. So here, here's where we notice the. This is the first of several instances where where Dap tells somebody to stay alone while he goes to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, now there's nothing disastrous that happens at this particular moment, but he tells her to get dressed and he's going to go check on her parents. Okay. She immediately looks out the window. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a. Then we get. A shot in Predator vision of her from outside looking out the window. She absolutely so clearly, could have shot so easily. She absolutely could have gotten shot smack in the face and, and I was going to say zap. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Dap wasn't there 
to protect her. I, it becomes a big deal later, not so much here. I like how it makes more sense for Dap to go in and check on her parents than it does for her to do that while he just takes a look at or like for both of them to go and do it. I mean, in every single one of these situations, the shit could have been avoided by them all going together. So for now they are going to leave the house because he says the parents are going to be fine as long as they leave now. For the rest of this movie, this becomes like an extended chase sequence. Um right. And but it, but but it starts off in glorious fashion of them slow motion running down a hill. Yes, that's right. So they are now running through a park of some sort, and the phobe is shooting lasers at, at them as they run away. So this is a very very dark sequence. It's hard to tell exactly what's going on, um, but it's. I will say that it is a phobe, which is this this because it's got all this kind of. Uh, um, garbage baggy gear hanging off it looks like he can't move very quickly at all it's dap who looks like he can't move very quickly at all and frankly jennifer doesn't look like she can move very quickly at all either and now they have to run constantly for the next 15 minutes (laughs) i felt very bad for everyone involved yeah i wouldn't have been able to do it they, one of the shots knees, of them running. My knees, my knees can't handle that, that shit. That's right. There's a shot of them uh, running that uh, you can see the person's shadow, uh, the person who's filming on the ground. You can you also <laughs> see the shadow of, uh, of a crane a little bit later. Hey, you know what? That's the reality of low-budget filmmaking. If you don't like it, get out. Yeah, whatever. They eventually uh, run. The one, thing I, the, the one thing I did truly appreciate about all these running, chasing, walking scenes is that it makes the movie a lot easier to watch in 1.5 times speed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched it in regular speed mode because I am a trooper. Um, they run. Eventually, they run into a city, an actual city as opposed to a park. And I do have to mention, when Dap runs, he runs with both of his hands in his pockets, which I thought was very, very strange. I wonder if, like, he had a faulty belt. Yeah, I was actually wondering that myself. You know, it kind of looked like that Maybe, like, like, he was holding his pants up the whole time. Because uh, I'm not going to lie. If I run, my pants are coming right down. <laughs> also, he has a gun in his pocket, which <laughs> he sometimes Doesn't uses. help. Yeah. So, uh, there's more running in the downtown area, more chasing, more lasers being shot. When Dap fires back his gun, it fires back a white laser. Uh, so, that's interesting. And they uh, eventually escape into a parking garage... Run up a flight of stairs, Mo, and I think they just show the same shot of them running up this flight of stairs three times, just to give the impression they're running up a very high number of stairs. Yeah, the idea is that they're running up to the top of this parking garage, which makes the the next moment that much more bizarre, okay? So, Dap has the idea to put uh, a little charge. Yeah, an explosive um, device. Yeah. At the on the top of the uh, the parking garage, and then they jump somehow safely into the back, like the bed of a pickup truck. Yes, this is supposed to be way higher, <laughs> you know, uh, something they probably would not have survived, but uh, but they do, and uh, all the better to them. It's I've given credit, considering that there's no piece of the film which shows them actually falling. They do a good job of having them jump and then them jump into the bed of the truck and yeah, edit no, that together. It looks fine. Yeah, it looks fine. Yeah. What doesn't look so fantastic is the explosion at the top of the <laughs> parking garage, which is accomplished with some uh, probably free explosion footage that's shot against the green screen that has just been put on the top flat part of the parking garage. Yeah. Not that great. Yeah. Probably look even worse in its original form, which is I, I wish is what we had gotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they now, need to keep. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I, I need to talk about this scene. So yes. they uh, they're running again, and um, they do something bizarre, like something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but yet they keep seeming to do this sort of activity through the rest uh-huh. of the movie, where they decide to go someplace and sit down and talk. Yes. So they run into a bar. They sit down. They start uh-huh. talking. And then a slow song starts playing, and she asks him to dance. She asks him if he wants to dance, and his response is that he's confused. He doesn't know what dancing is, Mo. You see, he is not from our planet. He's just, (laughs) I'm but a caveman. (laughs) He doesn't know what, he does, by the way, has not seemed to be confused by any, um, like, uh, Earth customs or cultural references so far. But when she says dance, suddenly he's like, what is it? Yeah, right. My favorite <laughs> so, moment so in the, my favorite moment in this entire scene is they show a lot of shots of the band and it pans across the bassist yep. who is wearing this giant curly blonde wig. Yes. Some reason. It is the most ridiculous goddamn thing. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So, they dance. They they get up on the floor and they dance and this is uh, as you can probably guess, supposed to be representative of their burgeoning romance together. She she feels something for this hunter from the from the planet whatever Marmara. <laughs> I don't know what Medora. it's called. Medora. <laughs> Marmara is a place in Ontario. Uh, so and so they dance like the waves it's on so an weird. ocean romance. <laughs> He's still wearing his sunglasses, of by course. the way, inside, and that just adds to the surreal nature of this sequence. So the phobe is outside of this restaurant, this bar, and he comes inside, and we see Dap pull out his gun, and then they both run outside and run down the street, Mo. Now they, du- they now they ducked into that the- bar Please. because they said that that's something, they were like, oh, well, he's not going to come in here. Right. Well, we learned that there's actually a tracking device on the egg. Right. That's what that's what we'll find out in this upcoming scene. So they get outside like an army navy store, and it's locked. But thankfully, how are we gonna get in? It's locked. Look at this. It's a laser lock pin. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a laser lock pick. Watch. <laughs> so they do indeed get inside, and they hide in this army surplus store. And we see a shot of the Predator Vision from outside, and it's moving very quickly now. Um, And this is where Dap reveals that there's a homing device. And he says it in this way. Listen to see if there's there's a slight error in the way that he speaks. See if you can catch it. What are you doing? There's a homing device on the egg. That's A homing device? Is that that how he's tracking us? (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I muffled the signal. So uh, it was obviously her who made the error there. But did you hear her say... Is that how is that how he's tracking us? <laughs> also, is the phobe a he, Mo? Well, I mean, it's laying eggs, so who knows? It's also it's who also knows? it is also it... seems to be a fucking robot, so again, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so the I guess Dap was already aware that the tracking device was on the egg and only now decides that he can find a way to uh to block the signal. Right. There's, by the way, in this sequence, we discover that Dap has been wounded, <clears throat> Mo. And what is notable about his wound? His blood is What's it? orange. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a it's like a, a neon yellow. 
It's like a neon yellow. That's exactly right. And as per usual, when she comments on it, he tells her not to worry about it about it, and starts wiping at it with a filthy old napkin. <laughs> <laughs> she asks more questions. He gaslights her. This dap guy is... He gaslights her! <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> and then he says something really strange, Mo. He says, I need a radio. And then, you know, it's it's shouldn't be hard to find a radio. And she says that she has a friend who has one. Her friend Rob from the beginning uh, of the, the part at school a little bit ago. Nerd and she alert. mentioned that his, par- his parents are away for the weekend. And uh, I also have Oh, did they leave everyone- the keys to the brand new Porsche? Everyone here has Canadian mumble mouth disease. But yes. what's odd is that he just says that he needs a radio. He doesn't mention that he needs like a CB radio or like a specialized communication radio. He just says he needs a radio. And her thing is like, oh, I know someone who has a radio. Yeah, we can interpret that. But from the communication that they have, there's no way that she would have thought that he needed like a CB radio. No, no high school girl would have thought, oh, he said radio. Let me bring him to this ham radio enthusiast that I know. They call me ham because I enjoy ham radio. (laughs) (laughs) So they run over to Rob's house and she fucking lights him aflame by saying he should be home. He never goes out on Friday nights. Poor Rob. Rob is the most relatable character in this movie. <laughs> oh, easily. Easily. He's playing playing video games, ham radio. <laughs> so they uh, knock on the door. Rob answers. Uh, they ask if they can use his uh, father's radio. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I just got to get the key to, to, to my father's office. And then he goes back inside and goes to get the key. Like, why is that sequence necessary? <laughs> just well, say, okay, let's go. And they'll go. Well, even less necessary is um, she starts explaining that they need to get rid of that thing. And the look of confusion on his face is almost like too real. You know, like it's probably the best performance in the entire fucking movie because what she's saying should make absolutely no sense to him. And he looks as if she's making absolutely no sense. Yeah, exactly. So he does ask Jen if she's in some sort of trouble, and she goes, we're all in trouble. Come on. <laughs> okay? That's helpful. So then the the screen goes blue for some reason, and they end up at Rob's dad's office, which I think is also probably the cable company where uh, which ended up airing this show, because it shows the... the it, it mentions something like that on the outside of it. Um, Dap goes... Well, they all go inside. They find the radio. Uh, at one point, Rob picks up Dap's gun... <laughs> Right. And says that he's never seen one like it before. It's a BF-6000 pulse pistol, Mo. Oh. He's using a piece of it to make the radio able to communicate to... Anyway, he's basically sending a a, a, a message to get back up to, to, to take out the phobe. My favorite moment in this scene is when she picks up his ID that he apparently <laughs> drops. Then she reads every single thing on it. In the most quizzical fashion. <laughs> Planet Medora? Sector 65320? <laughs> Occupa- License to terminate? Occupation classified? <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob says, hey, are you guys thirsty? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Maybe we can go to the lunchroom and find something to drink. And they all agree, and they all head to the lunchroom. 
We then are shown that the phobe is outside searching for them. I guess that whole uh, muting the the uh, <laughs> the tracking <laughs> device did not work very well. The I, I noted I noted for for this particular scene where Rob offers him the beverage is that it's 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 almost as batshit of a dialogue transition as the ones in Things, <laughs> you know, because because it because it goes from oh we need to get help, you know, we we need to we need to 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 call for backup. Anybody want a drink? <laughs> yeah, I know it's really <laughs> strange. So they go to the lunchroom, Mo, and this lunchroom is very bizarre as well. It has like one of those rotating magazine racks that you used to see, in, like that comics used to be on in, right. in convenience stores, and it also has a giant like mural on the wall. <laughs> so they're sitting down, they sit down at a table, and this is the information dump for the movie. This is where everything gets laid on the table in one big extended dap monologue, and you. And I are just going to have to sit and listen to this for a second. This might be the most amazing piece of acting in the entire movie. It's uh, I feel like it's pieced together from a lot of different takes. Yeah, Let's and cl- and cl- yeah. clearly read off of cue cards. And um, like it's it's one of those things you kind of need the visual for it as well because he keeps looking. It's it's clear there's a progression for the cue cards. Okay, exactly. and it also it's also. While he's describing it, we get footage from the opening scene again overlaid. Right. Um, yeah, so, so let's play this, Please. and then we want to talk about what happens right afterwards. So you're from the future? No, I'm not from the future. I'm from a small world, much like your own. We call it Mondora. I ended up here while tracking that creature you saw, Jen. Beside our planet is a smaller world. Actually, it's pretty desolate, where one could barely just survive. There... A fierce race lives in exile. They were these creatures were created as the ultimate fighting soldier to defend us in the Trihuno War. Fortunately or unfortunately, the war ended. The problem then became what to do with a creature that knows only to kill, period. That's why we sent them into exile on the other planet. Soon they were forgotten about until a few a months boat. ago when they started popping up on in other regions, including Mondora. The problem was then, were they just escaping, or did someone take them off the planet? <laughs> off the planet. <laughs> so all of those awkward pauses are where he's going from one cue card to the next. <laughs> and like I, like, I feel like he feels like he's being slick, because every now and again he'll look down like, I know this line. And then he'll look back up again because he forgot what the next line is. And that's what all those, that's what all those pauses are. It's... Just, I mean, it's acting class 101. It's the best. Well, it, it, we don't even get to the peak of the Stanislavski method here. <laughs> fucking Dab starts talking about how that woman in the opening sequence was someone who was very close to him that, and that, uh, that he lost her. And as he talks about that, he gets overwhelmed with an emotion and starts, Mo, to cry, I think. Now, no tears come out. No. Um... But he does put his hand up near his face <laughs> and does show a certain level of, of of concerned emotion about the whole thing. Wow. He also says, Mo, that these creatures are called phobes, which stands for the xenophobic experiments, because xenophobic means fear of aliens, which which it does in English. (laughs) (laughs) Calling them phobes does not really make a lot of sense, to be totally honest. That makes no sense at all. 
So he talks about that the radio is trying to phone his world so he can leave the planet once he catches the phobe. And then they ask him the question of all questions. Why does he wear those stupid fucking glasses? <laughs> and why, Mo? Why does he wear the glasses? Okay. Because the UV lights that our sun produces, even though it's nighttime, uh, react with his eyes in a way that makes them glow yellow. And he decides to demonstrate that by taking his glasses off. And Mo, they do. They, they glow, glow yellow. They glow yellow. It is the goofiest shit. And it's beautiful. I fucking love I fucking love the fact that they just accept everything he says is just pure fact. And it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's great. Yellow, yellow <clears throat> eyes. I guess that's, I guess that's okay. <laughs> so they hear something outside. Um, I think, I think Jennifer goes, tell me it's not that creature again. <laughs> um, Dap asks if it might be cleaning staff, something like that. Uh, Rob said that there is none. So Dap then takes out a weapon, Mo. A weapon we haven't seen up to this point. How would you describe this weapon? Oh, I would describe this weapon as um, an elegant weapon for a more civilized age. (laughs) (laughs) Dap takes out a lightsaber. It's a lightsaber. It's a fucking lightsaber. lightsaber. It is just a lightsaber. (laughs) Extremely useful weapon. Probably one something he should have at least acknowledged earlier. he, he takes out a bright purple lightsaber, and he probably should just turn on the lights, but he doesn't. He just walks around what is a very blue room. He then turns off the lightsaber, <laughs> does not use it, <laughs> but then he does take out another device. It is something to track, Mo. and what is this device? All right, so if memory serves, this is another piece of the uh, <laughs> laser tag <laughs> equipment. Um, I believe this is one of the targets that you shoot at. Yes, this is yeah. the one that you would wear, I guess, on your chest. Or on your chest, this is, yeah. you this is definitely a laser tag target, <laughs> and he uses it as if he's tracking the foe. And uh, <laughs> this is, this is, by the way, what Mo was re- referencing earlier about how he tells them to wait as he goes to another room. And then yeah. something terrible happens to them, of course. He hears a scream and he runs back into the room where Rob and Jennifer are. Rob is now been, has been bloodied because Jennifer has been stolen away. Rob, and I know Mo did not notice this when he watched, Rob's hair has also now grown to the length that he can have it in a ponytail, even though it was short in the previous season. <laughs> like, he had yeah. short hair, like, really short, and yeah. now it is, like, super long. I don't know how I'm I am guessing it took it. A, it took a while, I guess, to film between these two sequences. But the good thing is, is that Dap maintained that pristine mullet for the entire time. <laughs> It's, it's commitment, and I appreciate it. So, Dap then goes outside. He's got to find Jennifer. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a great line here that is so fucking stupid and makes no goddamn sense that I have to mention it. So, Rob, who has a compound fracture now, like the bones are sticking yeah. out of his fucking we, leg. We or get whatever. a nice close up of his juicy wound. Yeah. And uh, Dap does something to heal it. I don't know. I guess. I says he does something to it. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, uh, and uh, and he says, and, and Rob says something about finding Jennifer, and mm-hmm. Dab says to her, "Do you remember that pendant I gave her earlier?" And it's like, "No, he doesn't. He wasn't <laughs> there." <laughs> <laughs> he 
talking to Rob. He's talking to us, the yeah. audience. <laughs> <laughs> but oh Dap, uh, Dap then leaves Rob, who says he'll be okay, even though he is fucked up pretty significant. I guess he got healed up enough by Dap that he'll be okay, even though he now has disappeared for the rest of the entire movie. Right. And he probably fucking killed himself. Anyway, he's... Uh... <laughs> Zach Morris is strange. <laughs> So Dap then goes walking around outside. At one point, he looks through a pair of binoculars while he's wearing his sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, yeah, so he just walks around for a bit. One of the locations has smoke and green lighting. And he eventually finds himself to a massive, massive building. And this is like a steelworks. It's a real steelworks building. And honestly... If I had this location, I'd make like a dozen movies in it. It's unbelievably cool. Yeah, this is where they go from ripping off Star Wars to ripping off T2. Oh, yeah. And yeah. what's great is that there is a machine within the Steelworks that appears to be designed only to shoot sparks. <laughs> like, did you see it? He it's walked la- past it, this machine. Well, it's it's a laser cutter. Yeah, um, it's like a laser cutter, but it's just on, pointed at one thing, just shooting yeah. sparks. <laughs> <laughs> and like, honestly, it looked awesome. It looks great. It was fucking awesome. Completely stupid that it's happening, but it's great. And Mm -hmm. so he eventually, like, this this sequence where he's looking for her just goes on and on and on and on. It is some beautiful padding. But he does eventually go up a flight of stairs, and we realize, Mo, the crane is back. We get a nice crane shot of him uh, going up a flight of stairs. He, he does have this laser tag uh, tracer, so he finds a door, goes inside. Inside, there's lockers and a stepladder and Jennifer who was I guess behind some boxes unconscious so the phobe just stashed her behind some boxes in a steel plant <laughs> she goes what happened he goes I'll tell you later uh, continuing his gaslighting <laughs> <laughs> the phobe finds him almost immediately uh-huh almost uh, uh, like seconds later seconds later and uh, and the two of and, and so here's so, okay Yes, <laughs> they 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 have a lightsaber battle. Yeah, like so it never they never established that fucking. Now, honestly, this is one of the coolest fight scenes in the entire fucking movie. Yeah, it's great. Well, I mean, there isn't a lot of competition. It's literally yeah, it's literally fourteen seconds long, which is a shame because it's awesome. But yeah, they have a little lightsaber duel. Now, it's never established that the fucking phobe has a goddamn lightsaber too. <laughs> <laughs> It does, though, and I have to give uh, Dap credit. He holds his lightsaber underhanded Zatoichi style, uh, <laughs> which you don't usually see in these lightsaber battles. <laughs> so he eventually pushes the phobe over and grabs oh, come, come Jennifer. on, give, give him more credit. He does like a judo throw to it. He like... does throw the phobe. <laughs> him and Jen- Jennifer, they run off, um, and they find this like huge like loading door, and it yeah. won't open. And they're getting like the phobe is shooting lasers at them the whole time. The lasers, by the way, if he had still had the laser gun before, why did he use the fucking lightsaber? Um, They find another door. It doesn't open either. They go to another spot, and Deb says, "Watch out!" Because for some reason, Mo, the floor is electrified. (laughs) It's. I mean, the effect for the electricity on the ground is ridiculously terrible and it's wonderful uh, so they I, look around and Dap- I, can't, I, 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 I fucking love the fact that so so we, we, we failed to mention that the phobe runs out of ammo 
Yes, so it throws its gun. So it throws its gun and grabs a metal pipe. He he has a fucking lightsaber, but he grabs a metal pipe and comes Uh after them. Yeah, that's. I just wanted to mention that that he has a fucking lightsaber. Well, maybe his lightsaber ran out of ammo too. Maybe, maybe. Dap points to a ladder, which they both climb. She goes, I'm afraid of heights. He says, I don't care. Come on. <laughs> so Dap and the Phobe eventually have a metal fight because um, it has a piece of metal. For a second, Dap has a piece of metal as well, and it gets knocked away. Um, at the same time, Jennifer has climbed up this ladder, and at the top, she is controlling some sort of crane. Some sort of, of, of thing to, like, uh, transport metal from inside yeah. the shop to the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Dap gets knocked down. She hits the phobe with the crane, which makes it reboot. <laughs> All right, she now, control alt deleted the fucking phobe. <laughs> she control alt deleted. I, I, now, the best part about this is that, like, this is the slowest hit. Maybe in the history of cinema. I thought it was going to be impaled, but it just gets knocked. Yeah, and it doesn't and it doesn't even get really knocked. It just slowly meanders towards him so that he grabs the end of it and it drags him for a second. And then he yeah. ca- casually puts himself on the ground. Now we're referring to the phobe as a he. I think we better watch our, uh, oh, our, our language it, here. It. Yes, they get knocked they, down. Yes. Um, so the, the phobe is rebooting. Dap climbs up on this platform, this thing that's been moved around by the crane controls, and she <laughs> transports him over the electrified floor and outside these giant doors. <laughs> it's super slow. He absolutely could have just walked out much, much faster. Much faster. But he he gets transported out using this crane all the way outdoors, Mo. And, you know, God bless him. He sits on that or stands on that platform, gets transported all the way, and then he jumps off. And as he jumps off, by the way, they have dubbed in a satisfying thud sound. <laughs> <laughs> now, he he, dro- he drops something on the way, and I actually presumed that it was a bomb. Oh, um, oh right. Yeah, and uh, I, it's it's not. We're, it's we're, not. It's, yeah. it's something that's even nerdier than what you just said. <laughs> as we'll get yeah. to in just a second. So he jumps off. The phobe walks out the door. It's finished rebooting. And now it's just coming outside. And then the big reveal occurs. You remember that movie uh, Predator, Mo? Oh, yeah. Remember at the end, the Predator has been damaged and it takes off its helmet. Um, and uh, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, you are one ugly motherfucker. Well, he says it more like Arnold Schwarzenegger says it. Um, and it's great because it has this amazing face designed by Stan Winston. This creature takes its helmet off, and what does it look like? Um, it looks like plaster of Paris. It's got like kind of like an ape skull, yeah. thing going on. It's a skull, basically. It's a big white skull, except it's kind of like simian looking. Yeah, <laughs> as far as I'm gonna go, it's it's just a weird skull. It doesn't. Uh, and as right. I said, as I said before, if you want to check this out, it's on the cover of the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> So Dap has indeed placed something next to the door as a trap for the phobe. And this is when he springs it. And before he springs it, he says, 
this is for the rest of whoever that is. <laughs> so, so Larissa was that woman from the opening scene who got killed, who apparently he was very close to, right. but whose uh, relationship with him was not established in any great detail outside of that one monologue. Uh, what does he do? What what is the what is his big move against the foe? Huh? What does he do? How do, what what does the button he pressed do? Oh, it traps him. It like traps a, him. The thing yeah. he threw was a ghost trap from it, fucking Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> he presses the button, it opens the trap, it traps the phobe inside of it. Yeah, that's what that just pew, like pew, pew, noise was at the end there, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he had many opportunities to trap this fucking phobe. He had a million thing. fucking opportunities. <laughs> So the phobe is transported inside. Jennifer comes out. She says, you did it. It's finally gone. Then they see something, a big spaceship come towards Earth. And she's afraid <laughs> it's going to be another phobe, though. Now, explain big, to me what this spaceship Big, <laughs> big spaceship. I'm doing what air quotes over here. It is a small model. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the shoddiest looking spaceship model. I mean, it's it's okay. It's passable. But is man, it? <laughs> it it looks it very much looks like a homemade. Prom. My notes say a delightfully shitty model. <laughs> um, and and it lands and uh, outside. Oh, well, who climbs out of this spaceship? Mo two people. Well, there's well, actually, the, more than two people. Two yeah. major people and some soldiers to protect them. Yeah, there's some soldiers. There's the commander, and the then commander there is the beginning. Then there is the previously unnamed and currently unnamed um, bad guy. The big bad guy. The bad the guy. guy. The suit. Hey, yo. <laughs> so, so this is where all gets revealed. Basically, the commander was forced to hire Dap by this guy in the suit who has been pulling the strings the whole time. And this is revealed in a conversation where Dap seems very upset at this guy in the suit, though he's not really telling him anything that offensive or anything that he hasn't really already known to some extent. He just realizes that his boss is somebody different than who he thought it was. Mm. It kind of goes down like this. Let's have a little listen. I see your commander didn't tell you. Probably a wise move on his part. I am the one that hired you. (laughs) I don't understand. You hired me for what? To bring me my phobe, of course. I own them now. So you mean to tell me you've been behind all this? Why would you let something that deadly out? Oot. <laughs> Oot. Oh, don't worry, Greg. You don't mind if I call you Greg, do you? Actually, yes, I, I do. do. <laughs> Very well, Mr. Dapp. It's not the commander's fault. He works for me, too. And so, Dapp is super upset by this. And congratulations, folks. You have now witnessed the worst performance in this movie. That guy is amazingly horrible. I mean, um, his, that line where he says, I can call you Greg, can't I? I mean, that that delivery is, is it's literally like he's never spoken a word of, not just English, but like any spoken language <laughs> before. Like, like <laughs> I, I wish the mom could have showed up. To offer them all a <laughs> cup of tea so that we could have had the three, we could have had all th- of the three worst performances in this movie in the same scene. I feel like the world would have exploded. So Dap is super pissed about, uh, he says that the commander sold him out. He goes, did you need the money that bad? And 
I don't know. Again, I don't really understand what the big conflict is here. But at one point, the suit guy, the big bad, he pulls out a gun and he goes, I warned you, Mr. Dapp, but you don't listen. And he shoots Dapp with a laser. Jennifer grabs the trap with the phobe in it. She even says the phobe is my only chance. <laughs> well, no. What? Okay. So. Yes. So Dapp had thrown the trap on the ground. Yes. You know, and he was getting ready to trigger it, which is why the big bad shot him. Right. But in the meantime, nothing's really happening that would have stopped them from having Jennifer grab it, you know, or or for them stopping Jennifer. Yeah. Um, But Jennifer grabs it. And yeah, like like you said, she says, the phobe is my only hope, which is so fucking stupid. So then she lets the phobe out. She lets the phobe out. And I have to admit, this is, I like... I actually really like this series of shots they do here. Right, where so the phobe is immediately out. It grabs the big bad by the neck and like com- lifts him up. The commander it grabs the commander. The com- oh yeah, he grabs the, right. Yeah. Uh, no, he grabs the suit guy first by the neck. Oh, I'm pretty sure. So okay. Oh, by so re- something really strange happens where one of the soldiers like backs up. Do you remember what I'm talking about here? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it almost feels like it's filmed in reverse, but it's not. Yeah. Exactly, and then he backs up, and it looks like it's in reverse. Then he falls down and explodes. Yeah, I don't know why. The, the phobe, phobe, the phobe threw a bomb at him. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So the phobe throws the suit guy down, and then he grabs the commander. The suit guy grabs his gun, and then the commander shoots the suit guy, uh, the suit guy in the leg. Then they both shoot each other to death. I guess they didn't need the phobe after all. <laughs> when. When the commander gets shot to death, Dap goes over to him and he goes, I guess we're even now. And the commander goes, thanks, and dies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the commander did that was bad. I really don't know. Uh, so the, then. Yeah, here's where it gets weird. <laughs> yeah, here's where it gets weird. <laughs> Fucking Dap, who is now very sympathetic to the phobe, who really didn't help them at all. No. He goes, he says to the phobe, you can have the spaceship. And the phobe's like, okay. And it just walks off. This is a fucking spaceship. This is a fucking creature that he has described as only bred to kill indiscriminately. And murdered his girlfriend. And and murdered his girlfriend. (laughs) Take the ship. I mean, this I understand. Is, I mean, it's not, it's not like this is the end of fucking Midnight Run and, like, they've sort of become friends over the course of the movie, you know? Like, I'm waiting for the phobe to hand him a fucking uh, money belt with $300,000 in it, you know? He had a, a lightsaber battle with him ten minutes ago, and now he's <laughs> giving him a spaceship. Oh, my God. So, anyway, <laughs> the fucking phobe blasts off to space, and Jennifer makes a very uh, reasonable comment, which is, hey... You don't have a spaceship anymore. How the fuck are you going to get home? What is Dap's response, Mo? Oh, my God. So he says he's been thinking about retiring (laughs) and has decided that Earth is going to be where he's going to do it. So basically (laughs) what he says that, by the way, by just looking around and going, this looks good. (laughs) So he's basically saying, I'm going to give up hunting the phobe so that I can stay behind and fuck this underage girl. She is a high school student. Yeah. I don't know how old Dap is supposed to be, but 
it, this is an inappropriate relationship. I mean, though, just, just because they look the same age doesn't mean they're supposed to be the same age. <laughs> they have only danced together. I don't know if that's a, an establishing relationship for right. the foreseeable future. So and, te- says, and, and by the way, technically, they met yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He says to her, I need someone to show me the ropes and teach me. And then she says, by the way, what about the trap? And he goes, I'll think of something. And as they walk off together, he throws into a scrap metal container. I guess that's what he thought of. Yeah. That's it. So they walk off together, Mo. And that's the end of the movie. Or is it? The camera slowly pans up to the sky. Keep watching the skies, Mo. Who knows what will (laughs) happen. That is the end of Phobe, the xenophobic experiments. I like to think that Z- uh, Zap, I almost said it myself, I like to think that Dap is still hanging around Southern Ontario to this very day. Uh, at least he's got free, free health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have to, as it enters the closing credits, we should mention some very sad news in regards to it, even though it's, it's not recent sad news. The actor uh, who played Dap in the movie, we have obviously had a little fun with him. His name was John Rubick. Uh, he was a cousin of Erica Benedicti, the director of the movie. He passed away uh, via an accident. I'm not sure what the accident was back in 2003. Um, he obviously was a great big nerd, just like us, uh, just like all of our listeners. And, uh, you know, someone that, that, hey, he starred as the both action and romantic lead in a low-budget science fiction action movie. That's more than most of us will ever or could ever do. So, um, yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, all credit goes to John Rubick Jr. as as Dap in Phobe, um, and uh, then it goes into the closing credits. And actually, Mo, this was a pretty entertaining closing credits. It's very uh, self deprecating. They there's comments with throughout saying about like everybody who grabbed something had to do a certain part in the movie. It it is really kind of one of those ultra low budget micro budget. Um, credits that that are very honest about how everyone had to do everything. Right. Well, my like I think my favorite one was uh, it says key grip and it says what's that, and then it says, <laughs> <laughs> and then it says grips. Anyone who wasn't the key grip. <laughs> it says production designer. We winged it. Property yeah. manager. No property to manage. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of and, and and the fucking theme song that's playing over. Oh my god, it's fucking crazy. It's roller. <laughs> um, it also at the very end it it, it actually mentions some loca- uh, some businesses by name who uh donated things to the production, including like the crane and 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 the equipment like played again, played again sports, uh gave the equipment to make the the phobe. It does mention a place called Holy Chow and it says, "Thanks for all those chicken balls." <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That was Phobe, the xenophobic, uh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Experiments. Ph- Experiments from the year 1995. Um, this movie, a- above all other things, is a massive accomplishment. It is people doing an amazing <clears throat> job with very few resources. Uh, obviously, you know, putting tons and tons of work into it. Having mm-hmm. it, sh- I mean, this must have been seen by thousands and thousands of people because it aired so often on this station right you know it has an audience probably larger than most of the ultra yeah. low budget movies from this time period that we've covered uh, i had a ton of fun with it it is oh it was a blast shoddy in all of the ways that you would expect yeah. but it also 
it also overachieves in all of those same ways. Right. Uh, there's there's actually some uh, a clear um, sense of filmmaking prowess here in the sense that everything you know it cuts together. Usually, it's not usually like years apart when the shots are happening. <laughs> but you know, th- this is this is a real movie. It's you know just about ninety minutes long. It has a beginning, middle, and end. I know these things seem like the smallest compliments, but we see so much that that doesn't have that sort of thing that when you see a film that holds together in terms of plot, even if some of it doesn't make sense, even if the ending of it is ridiculous, even if it does suggest a weird underage relationship at the very end, I would love to see the further adventures of Dap, I have to say. I'd, li- I'd like to see what happens after the credits roll. What what are the further stories of these characters? Right. It's faux, the xenophobic experiments. It's Canadian, Mo. It's very, very Canadian. That's another thing I really love about it. And I have to say, uh, I would highly recommend that you check it out. Again, as I mentioned before, you can watch it if you're in the U.S. You can watch it right now on uh, Amazon Prime for free. And you should. Well, you got to pay for Amazon Prime. But aside from that, you can watch it right now. Mm-hmm. Mo, what are we going to watch <laughs> on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? I'm actually a little excited about this one. <clears throat> oh, finally we got Mo excited. <laughs> well, no, it's, you know, we, we don't, we talk a lot about covering sequels and follow-ups on, on, on uh, creators works. And we don't do it a lot because there's just so much stuff out there. Sure. But, but we're finally going to revisit a, uh, a franchise that we've, we've covered the first film of, and we are going to cover Plaga Zombie 2. Plaga Zombie Zona Mutante from director Pablo Pares and Herman Seis. I'm sure I'm fucking up those pronunciations, <laughs> but we'll try to get better at it by the time we actually talk about it. Uh, it's from the year 2001. It's a follow-up to Plaga Zombie, which we've covered on the show. That original movie is from 1997. It then was then followed up by Plaga Zombie Revolution Toxica from 2012. So big gaps in between the sequels here. But this is 2001's Plaga Zombie Zona Mutante. I've heard this is a lot of fun and I've never seen it. I've I've had a copy of it for like more than a decade now. I just have never watched it. And this is going to be a fun experience. Well, we both loved the first uh, Plaga Absolutely. Zombie. Sure did. So that is what we'll focus on on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo. Where can people find out more about this crazy podcast that the two of us host? Well, I mean, I think if they want to, they can go over to that uh, Facebook thing, uh, do a little uh, search for No Budget Nightmares and find us, join the conversation, or just go right to uh, facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. I have been putting some uh, video clips from movies that we've been featuring lately, including clips from uh, Phobe, some of the, the audio clips that you heard, and actually some things that we didn't play on this episode, so you can always go over and check that out. You can also check out No Budget Nightmares on uh, Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word, or go to NoBudgetPodcast.com where you can find our archives, subscribe to us via iTunes, leave us a uh, review there if you could. We'd appreciate it very much. Or if you want to help support the show, there's a link to our Patreon as well. Uh, and you can also find the latest episodes over at DorkShelf.com. And you can, of course, also follow both Mo and myself on Twitter. Mo is there at Drunk on VHS, and I'm there at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And Mo, you have a uh, not-so-new but still-new podcast, and how's that going? Uh, It's going well. It's going well. Uh, I think we're like five or six episodes in. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's getting some – it's getting a little bit of traction where, you know, it's – I feel like it's – I feel like it resonates with with a certain type of audience because – 
you know, we, we have a lot of uh, friends and, and we're in a lot of like fandoms and, and communities. Sure. And uh, since the show is sort sort of almost entirely folks focuses around passions and obsess obsessions and hobbies and that sort of stuff, um, yeah, it's doing pretty good. It's called Alt Nerd Obsessive. Alt Nerd Obsessive. You can find that over at the After Movie Diner podcast site. Is that mm-hmm. right? Well, check that out. Subscribe to it. You can subscribe. There's an iTunes feed for it. I'm sorry, I, I'm just not 100 percent sure. Yeah, there is. Yeah, we're oh, yeah. we're on all so, so, we're on all the major uh, things. Subscribe, leave reviews for Alt Nerd Obsessive. Uh, you can also check out Mo's recent appearance on the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast over at ericrobertsistheman.com. Our latest episode, the one that we'll be recording in just a few days, is featuring Eric Roberts' animated work on uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, including the adaptation of Alan Moore's For the Man Who Has Everything, one of my favorite episodes of that particular show, uh, where Eric Roberts is the voice of Mongol. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be recording that in a few days. You can find that at ericrobertsistheman.com or ERITFM on Twitter. Mo, have you seen any interesting movies when you haven't been playing your video games? You know, I actually, uh, the other night I, I said to the guys, the guys who I play with, uh, <laughs> regularly, I said, I am gonna spend the night tonight watching movies. And I actually stayed up the, en- the entire night watching movies. Um, I watched, uh, here's where I'm going to forget every single one of those movies I watched. <laughs> the, the, the last one. Uh, okay. Well, here's what I watched. I watched Prometheus, um, because a buddy of mine basically begged me to to watch it because like he he's a big fan of that series he he loves all the alien movies and he really loved prometheus and he's like come on give it a shot it's good and it's not um i really <laughs> i really didn't like it uh i i, I it looks I really, nice it's a nice looking it's movie. beautiful it's a beautifully shot film i hated it um <laughs> i watched uh, super troopers 2 how is it? I still haven't seen it. Uh, it's okay. I mean, uh, it's not. I really it's, wanted it to be good. Like I like you'd probably like it because there's a lot of like Canadian uh, hijinks. Can- you honestly, know? the Canadian hijinks they don't do it for me unless they're tr- trying to make jokes about things that are not like usual. I just right. you know what I mean. It it's some it's most Canadian humor, and I'm talking about Kevin Smith here. Is so fucking lazy. <laughs> right. Where it it just it's the same old stereotypes, and it's just like there's so many Canadian specific shit you could make fun of if you just knew more about Canada. Right. Right. I, I have a feeling that that you'll still appreciate the Mounties to say. That. All right, I'll check it out. Um, I did I did I mention that I had watched Ready Player One. I think you mentioned that in the most recent episode. Yeah, I, I must have. And uh, and recently, there's the most important one. I don't care about any of the other movies I watched. This is the most important one. I watched Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made, which is obviously about the shot-for-shot remake of Raiders of the Lost Raiders Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark, right. Which we have covered. We have covered. And I actually read the book that that documentary is based on. Nice. So we've covered it. We know all there is to know about that particular fan project didn't one it, of the creators go on to be very religious am i wrong on that um i don't know how accurate that is but one of them All did right. go on, one of them did go on to smoke a lot of crystal meth okay good yeah. on him i mean bad on him yeah <laughs> uh mo i uh, i had only up till this past week seen the first two mission impossible movies i stopped after part two for obvious reasons <laughs> uh so in the past week i've watched for the first time the third fourth and fifth Mission Impossible movies. And you know what? They're a lot of fun. 
I like them very much. There, uh, that's would, one of those series that's a lot like the Fast and Furious movies, where where they just get better as they go. You know, like I, like I wouldn't it, necessarily say that. Um, in the, I I, I, like, I don't know, man. I really enjoyed the last couple of uh, of Mission Impossible movies. Oh, so, I so did I. But I, yeah. what I'm saying is that I really like the first one. I like the Brian De Palma first mm. Mission Impossible movie, especially because it it feels like a real spiritual successor to the TV show, which I'm Absolutely. a huge fan of. I really Absolutely. love the TV show. Yeah. And as the series goes along, particularly with the second one, it becomes the Tom Cruise show all around. And the first one is like that too, but it, it has a good reason to. But afterwards, right. it's just like, this isn't really an ensemble. It's it's Tom Cruise plus other people. But the last few have been really clever and the action sequences are huge and really impressive. And right. I heard that the latest one is really, really good. So I just yeah, wanted I gotta, to watch, gotta watch those. That. And I also watched The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth. Oh, dimension, I love which, that movie so much. Which I believe just had the 35th anniversary. Anyway, it's, it had what, an anniversary recently. Uh, such an amazing movie. And honestly, it's one of those movies where you watch and it's unbelievable that anyone ever made it because it is such a weird yeah. amalgam of science fiction and Pulp Hero stuff. And yeah. and just really both of its era and sort of timeless. It's a great movie. Has a great Peter Weller performance. I don't think people give him enough credit in that movie. And I also, don't think, like, I don't think they give, I, I think people don't give Peter Weller enough credit in general. He's a great fucking actor. And yeah. like he's good in everything he does for the most and part. The, every, and the supporting cast is amazing too. I mean, there's yeah. so many... Like from Jeff Goldblum and and I mean I, I actually don't want to list him simply because I'll forget but that is a movie that is worth revisiting and honestly it also plays into uh, Ready Player One not that I was a huge fan of that movie but it's referenced several times in it right Mo I think that's it you got to get back to your video games and potentially movies <laughs> <laughs> We need to uh, get uh, uh, get to watch and plug a zombie too, which, by the way, is available legally for free on YouTube. We'll link that over both on our Twitter feed and our Facebook page, so you can check that out in anticipation of the next episode of No Budget Nightmares coming very soon. Yes. Good night, everybody. Let's good night, folks. Good night, folks. Greg and Pete said they'd even go to the beer store for us and uh, get a couple of cases, if that's okay with you, Jennifer. Yeah, sure, that'll be great. I could go for drinking some beer tonight. <laughs>